the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Well, it is Good Friday. I want to wish everyone a very uh, peaceful weekend and uh, a very uh, pleasant. It's tough to wish someone a happy Easter on Good Friday because obviously it's such a solemn day. But I want to do want to wish you a a very peaceful and happy and uh, pleasant Easter Sunday. Folks, this portion of the program brought to you by PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. They are officially open for the season. Stop in. Beautiful selection. Pansies, pansy flats, pansy bags, hangers, bowls, assorted colors, tulips, asynthias, daffodils, hydrangeas. Colors available, by the way, the hydrangeas. You should see the blue, white, and pink. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. They're open. They're open seven days a week. Stop in. It's a sunny day. Get your Easter plants. And uh, they're located 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. You can also uh, like them on Facebook, PR Materials and Garden Center. See, so you have everything they have available. They're open every day. Stop in or call them 295-4399. Well, I want to draw attention to um, this story that uh, Jim Hummel, by the way, did a very good job. And it appears in the Providence Journal. So Hummel does the uh, Hummel report, but he has a report, Code Red for Warwick Fire Budget as Overtime Soars. And a year after the city's former mayor sold a new firefighter contract promising it would save 600000 in the first year, the department has run more than $1 million in the red, steep overtime tab. A, a, a firefighter in Warwick last year. Now, a lot of fires happen when people aren't home. And let's face it, uh, a lot of fires these days are, they go out because someone falls in the grocery store, we go whatever. For Remember, a good part of last year, we were basically on lockdown. There were no problems with nightclubs, restaurants, clubs, anything like that. Right during the pandemic, it was, it was closed. So... They somehow hired a veteran of the Providence Fire Department. There you go. The fire chief, Peter McMichael. And he says, you know, well, we're down 20 people. Well, what comes into play here is what they have is, and, and by the way, it's that this guy, and I don't know this guy, but this chief, Peter McMichael, Warwick, last year now, last year, $5.7 million in overtime cost. $5.7 million in overtime costs. So all but six, all but 16, they have, of the department's 176 firefighters. So the city of Warwick, 176 firefighters. Only 16, all but, all but 16 of the 176 earned more than 100000 in total pay in 2020. 19 earned 50000 or more in overtime. 95 earned more than 25000 in overtime. And the average overtime, average now, was 32000 per firefighter. Folks, if you remember, there was no rash of fires last year in the city of Warwick. There's no rash of fires anywhere in Rhode Island. 
department also paid out 1.3 million contract mandated longevity payments to 143 members. The average payment was just under 9,500. So again, now think of last year pandemic, most people were home. So when they get calls to go out, uh, for a good part of the, you know, the last year, April and everything else, everything was basically lockdown, stay at home order. Listen to these numbers. Todd, but the, uh, and again, this is a Jim Hummel's story with the Providence Journal. Uh, top of the earning chart, Todd uh, Berthium. He's 53 years old, 20-year veteran. Base pay, 71000 Base pay. All right, you want to be a firefighter? Congratulations. You're on. It pays 71000 That seems about right, right? Um, he earned 316,000 last year. I kid you not in the city of Warwick, 219,000 in overtime, 219,000 in overtime, base pay 72,000. It was a stay at home order. There was no rash of fires. Base pay 71,000. He earned Three hundred and sixteen thousand, two hundred and basically twenty thousand in overtime. He's followed by Robert Danella. He's fifty. He's hired in two thousand five. He uh, he earned two hundred forty seven thousand, one hundred fifty two thousand in overtime. Michael Colantino. He's thirty. He was just hired in 2016. So in his fourth year on the job, he took in 202,000, 116,000 in overtime. Nicholas Ehrlich, he's 32. He was hired in 2013. He earned 192,000. Folks, these their base pays are under 70,000. 101,000 in overtime. Warwick Firefighters now. Andrew Sasson. He's 33 years old. He was hired in 2008. Last year, he grabbed 181,000. 75,000 in overtime. I mean, it is just the union president said, yeah, you know, we need to bring in more people to cut down on some of the cut down on some of the overtime folks. There, there's this is um, I mean, this is just Think of the people last year that lost their businesses. Think of people who, all the problems with the pandemic. And on top of that, Warwick is not known for having a great school system. Let's be, you know, let's be honest here. Hardly. Uh, and again, I want to give credit to Hubble. Just the way it's put together, the Christmas surprise contract signed by the city of the firefighters gained a lot of attention because they called a meeting the Friday before Christmas to start to go over it this is just so appalling uh four members of the council didn't know that this was was happening and then on january 6th they passed the three-year agreement three three-year agreement and it was retroactive to 2019 now that mayor solomon he was driven out of office but th this is just so outrageous that this is allowed to go on and on top of that, some of the council people, folks, it, it's an element, though, of it's, you know, you, you get the government you deserve. Uh, 
you know, they vote these people in to try to say, yeah, you know, I think it was a good deal. And I mean, a good deal for the city. It, it is. What would be a bad deal? What would be a bad deal? This is absolutely ludicrous. At least, excuse me, one council person said, you know, it's simple math. They're trying to say, well, you know, we're 20 people short. So, well, he said, um, I'll give you 20 more firefighters with benefits, and it's 100000 per person. That's a total of $2 million. The overtime budget last year was $5.7 million. Folks, this is gaming the system. Keep in mind, they're allowed to sleep at work. There's no other job. There are beds there. And as much as some of these people were then working, you know, you know, when you think of how many hours it would have to be, a firefighter can work 72 hours straight. Keep in mind they get to sleep before having to take 24 hours off, but allows for working another 72 hours after that off shift. So, you know, but keep in mind, as I said, people are, this is a job where people are, in fact, allowed to sleep on the job and and granted there could be something during the course of the night where you have to go out but then there'd be uh, times that you don't have to so they also the old system saw firefighters work two consecutive 10-hour day shifts followed by two consecutive 14-hour night shifts followed by four days off the new schedule each platoon works 24 hours then with 48 hours off then another 24 hours followed by 96 hours off blah 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 but the bottom line is during a pandemic to be able to uh, grab that, the highest, now Providence, which is known, notorious high overtime costs, the highest wage earner there was a rescue lieutenant, earned 221000 last year, 134000 in overtime. But he was an outlier. The next closest overtime tab was less than 56000 for a rescue captain. Uh, as a department, Providence more than double the number of firefighters paid out a total of $3.8 million in overtime. Warwick paid $5.7 million, an increase of $4 million in four years. Folks, this is absolutely gaming the system, gouging the city. I don't live in the city of Warwick, obviously. How they can allow this to go on, and also keep in mind, Many people in Warwick pulled the kids out of the schools because the Warwick teachers were the first ones. It's a city out of control. It's sad. It's broken. Uh, there is a new mayor now, but let, let's just be honest. In the private sector, if you hire someone and you say, listen, this is the pay, 72000 that's what they earned. That's the job. There were plenty of people that would love these jobs. Are you kidding? Do you know what it's going to be like the next time they have a fire academy and people can actually then uh, sign up to then become uh, and have one of these? It's like it's like winning the lottery for crying out loud. But good job by uh, Jim Hummel. And again, that's going to be in the uh, in the Providence Journal. Hey, folks, I want to remind you on this Good Friday, if you're going to be out and about today or tomorrow, mm -hmm. stop in and see our friend Steve at Gilmore Furniture. Everything is on sale, 1590 Post Road in Warwick, right down from TF Green Airport. You just take uh, exit 37 off of Post Road. Gilmore Furniture. How about a new, just check out the selection they have on mattresses or a full bed frame or a nice recliner. Or uh, they also have, you know, if, if there is a nice, comfortable recliner in your home, if you walk into it and there's a group of people, somebody's always in that 
nice, comfortable recliner. Gilmore Furniture. Call them, 737-0100. Pop in. Remember, up to five years interest-free financing. And they offer credit financing. Stop in and see them. Stop in and see Steve, 737-0100. They are about one mile right uh, south, uh, north excuse me, of TF Green Airport. But you just take Route 37. Plenty of free parking. He, Steve is just great. They also do delivery. Gilmore Furniture. Pop it and see him. And if you visit petro.com, there's a direct link. And you can check out their uh, website on the website, petro.com as well. So that is um, just outrageous. And by the way, uh, there's also a story that's out today. And this is also unique. I had not heard about this. You know, a lot of times I, I like to think I know of a lot of a lot of what's going on out there but but how about um the boston globe has a story the providence superintendent said they've paid four hundred thousand in union dues for people that don't exist now again you know money is like no object these people are gouging the system you have a woman in, in north providence who was collecting two paychecks she made she's a town employee in north providence they were paying her 181000 And the mayor, who I like and respect, said, hey, listen, sometimes she works till 5 o'clock, sometimes 4.30. Or maybe he said 5, 5.30, like that. Excuse me. She's supposed to be making 54000 Channel 12 broke the story. Instead, she was um, doing two jobs, which I, I guess is they're not supposed to do that. It's against the town council provision. Instead, she made 181000 but in Providence, the Providence superintendent, we paid more than 400000 in union dues for people that don't exist. You know, this, no wonder they took a, a no confidence. They're refusing to pay it. Think of all the Providence schools are considered one of, one of the worst in the nation. City School Department, Boston Globe, Dan McGowan, our friend, has the story. Paid the Providence Teachers Union 438000 in union dues for teachers that were never hired, part of an agreement that allowed the district to bring in non-union unionized substitutes for a lower daily fee. And now the new su superintendent, he's ending the practice. He said, we're not paying 129000 in union dues. This is ridiculous. The union, of course, files a grievance, and uh, they're trying to ask an arbitrator to force them to pay up. How is this approved? I'm so glad he brought attention to this. We've paid more than 400000 in union dues for people that don't exist. Insanity, folks. And on top of that, uh, the new education commissioner is saying, hey, listen, why don't we negotiate in public? Why do we have to have all these secret neg negotiations? She's saying, I have no problem with negotiating in public. So why don't we just negotiate the new teacher's contract in public? Folks, that's the only thing. All of these contracts should be done in public and uh, distance, uh, you know, uh, transparency is the best uh, disinfectant for a lot of this corruption and greed. So, again, it's Good Friday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508 336 7801 MEGA MEGA professionals 508 336 7801 maybe if you need workers 
Maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Spring is here. Time to contact Bethel Certified Softwash. You can text Jared a free estimate at 401-617-2585. Bethel Certified Softwash. They have a great website. It's RhodeIslandSoftwashing.com. Outside your home. Let's get rid of the grime and the stains, maybe some of that that green algae and moss and mildew that build up over the course of the winter. Call Bethel Certified Soft Wash today. Again, outside your restaurant or your home or a roof or a deck or a patio or a walkway, it's Bethel Certified Soft Wash. Remember, it's biodegradable. It's plant safe. Look for them on Facebook, Bethel. B-E-T-H-E-L, their Facebook page, the before and after, are just tremendous. Contact them today for a free same-day text estimate, 401-617-2585, 401-617-2585. Again, remember, they have a great website. It's RhodeIslandSoftWashing.com, Bethel Certified Soft Wash and Power Wash. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2 p.m. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. You just click on Listen Live. It's time for our legal segment. Joining me, he is one of Rhode Island's top uh, attorneys. He is our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, let's start off with the uh, much-anticipated Derek Chauvin trial regarding the death of George Floyd. Um, I've been I've been watching it. I've been watching it uh pretty closely there's definitely some surprises here to me as far as i think at times the defense have been very very effective and other times i thought they were a little slow on the draw to object to certain things uh but let's let's talk about this uh, derek chauvin trial yeah there there's a lot here john and um i think you picked up on a point that i'll get to about Evidence is coming in and no objections being interposed by um, the defense, which is always, these cases are tricky. Uh, The jury, I'm sure, knows a lot about what happened. And 
you're playing to the judge, but you're playing to the jury. You don't want to turn off the jury. You don't want to offend the jury, but you also need to protect your client, which is a, a difficult tightrope to walk. The first thing is um, the defense opening was strong. I thought the defense did a good job on its opening. The trick with the opening is when you tell the jury what the coming attractions are, when you tell the jury what you think the evidence is going to show, who's going to testify, what the science is going to show, etc. When you tell the jury you're going to hear X, Y, and Z, you better make sure you cover those bases and get the evidence in to show X, Y, and Z. Because if you don't, the prosecution is going to get up and say, you heard Mr. Nelson's opening. He told you you were going to hear from so-and-so. Never came in. What's up with that? You yep. heard that there was going to be this evidence presented. We heard nothing about it. What's up with that? So you always don't want to oversell the case. But when you're the defense, you want to at least stick in the jury's mind that there's doubt here because the defense in any case, especially in a high-profile case like this, you've got to sit there, do your best on cross-examination, and absorb a lot of body blows and a lot of bad days where a lot of Big bad time. things are coming in yeah, and, and be patient and know that when you get your chance to put on your case, you'll be able to turn it around. But it's an excruciating wait sometimes to get your mm. chance to put in your case. So these days, I'm sure um, the defendant is going home thinking, huh. what the heck is going on yeah. here? Which way to the electric chair? <clears throat> Tim, I don't remember a time that I've seen uh, at times, these aren't witnesses. These are advocates. I mean, the, the palpable anger at the police. Yes. And what really surprises me is, as they will say, as I watched as they were killing him, and I'm expecting objection, you know, that hasn't been put. And, and it's silence. I mean, these are well, here, the people that they have put up on the scene. Are, are They are like, this is not a timid witness of I was walking by and I saw someone get out of the car this is there he is and they were killing him and i was trying to stop it i mean it i've never seen witnesses like i've this. i've never really seen that all allowed to happen to such yeah. a degree now your defense counsel you object to try to strike testimony and to keep testimony out if you object too much Sometimes right. you can turn off the jury. They're thinking, what's this guy trying to keep from us? Why is he trying sure. to hide the truth from us? So it's a tricky wicket. But mm. the other problem is when these witnesses have been up there blurting out these um, huh. statements, which are intolerable if you're the defense. Yeah. Okay. So the witness says, I watched as Chauvin was killing him. You huh. Defense counsel stands up and says, move to strike. The right. judge says, stricken. Now, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you are to disregard that comment. <laughs> Good point. Good it's, point. It's, it's a very hard thing for defense to do. There might be a calculation saying, you know what, these witnesses are going to get up there. They're going to vent their spleen. They're going to be emotional. Uh, let's get that out of the way so we can get to the science. I mean, I'm not sure what their calculus is, but for right. instance, one, one guy was up there saying, 
testifying. It's been nights I've stayed up apologizing to George Floyd for not yes. doing more. And Crying, that, saying that, yes. This is, it's not what I should have done. It's what he shouldn't have done. We're talking about the cop. That, that's yeah. a conclusion for the jury and for the judge or for experts as to what this cop did was um, justified or authorized, if you will, or whether he was behaving in a manner inconsistent with uh, police policy. That witness, however emotional and however heartfelt, should not be up there being allowed to say such things. Right. I mean, the defense counsel at one point um, asked one of the witnesses, I think it was an EMT standing by, saying, what was the mood of the crowd? Are you, are you kidding me? You can't ask yeah. that question. How do you right. know the mood of, mood of dozens everyone around of people? Yeah. And, and what, if the, what if the witness said everyone was calm? Well, I guess he'd then show the video showing that everyone was screaming and yelling at the cops. But right. that question... Um, it's just inappropriate. You would never yeah. ask such a thing. Um, I thought he was good yesterday. The defense attorney was good yesterday. The volunteer firefighter, she's up there. She was walking home or out for a walk. She stumbles upon. She's like, I was yelling directions to them what to do. I thought he was good about, you know, have you ever fought a fire? Have you ever stopped and asked bystanders, hey, am I doing this right? When I, I mean, it was effective that way. But at times, Tim Dodd, she would say, I don't know. And then she'd say, but it could, and then I'm expecting objection. She answered the question. She doesn't know. Don't let her fill it in like that. Well, it and, got testy. The judge did call her out on it because she, she wasn't answering the question. She was, you know, doing the thing of like firing questions back at him. And not answering the question, but adding, adding her editorials yeah. or what she wanted to put oh, into unreal. evidence. At one point, um, the, the young teenager who, took the famous video, which has been shown yeah. over and over and over, recalled the scene saying how um, George Floyd was begging for his life and that the um, officer Chauvin had a cold look on his face. I mean, mm. what, what does that mean? How does she get away yeah. with that characterization? That, right. that presumes she understands uh, Chauvin's state of mind what he was thinking, what he was feeling. She'd never seen the guy before. She doesn't know his facial expressions. I, I was just surprised that the defense allowed some of that in mm. without even an objection. But as I say, right. so much of this is objectionable. You could really tick off the jury and alienate right. them if you overdo it. So Nelson- And Tim, Nelson, it's also tough. I mean, they had a nine-year-old on the stand and do you think, and again, folks, we speak with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd, regarding the Derek Chauvin trial regarding the death of George Floyd. Is this maybe just let them get through it and move on and then they will get their chance? And in some ways, it's like the trial begins when they start to get into some of the medical. He did score points yesterday because the uh, off-duty firefighter was saying, oh, six minutes was way too long and started to raise the possibility of, well, it was, it was dispatch. You know, the police phone it in. If, if dispatch doesn't send the closest station, that that's not their fault. Or they could be out of this fire. Or they could be out somewhere else. So it, it can't all be, you know, the cop's fault. At least I thought he started to raise the possibility of that. Yes. And at some point, the defense has to object, saying that this ev this testimony, this evidence is cumulative. I mean, all these folks are getting up there 
saying, testifying to variations on a theme. I was a witness. Yeah. I saw this happening. I saw right. him pleading for his life. I saw him slowly dying. Eventually, how, what are they going to have? A hundred people say, yep, I was in that crowd yeah. too. And at some right. point, the judge either has to put a stop to it or defense counsel has to stand up and do something about it. But but mm. just for a moment, going back to uh, uh, defense counsel's opening, he said some specific things. He claims that an autopsy was done, which showed that George Floyd had coronary disease. He had yes. an enlarged heart and there was yep. fentanyl and methamphetamines in his system. He took two Percocets. He, Correct. He goes on to say to the jury that a medical examiner found no telltale signs of asphyxiation and no mm. evidence that Floyd's airflow was restricted. Wow. Now, that's very provocative. And yeah. he better come in with um, a medical examination report or live testimony which corroborates no signs of asphyxiation, no signs that his uh, Floyd's airflow was restricted. I mean, we've all heard over and over that the knee on the neck cut off the airflow yep. and right. he was asphyxiated. Well, either that's true or it's not true. And perhaps mm. the defense is waiting, taking the hits, as I say, waiting to put on their medical case. Because right. if they can put that evidence in, that raises doubt as to whether or not yes. uh, Chauvin's conduct was a contributing factor to this guy's death or mm -hmm. whether his physical conditions and the drugs in his system kind of doomed him before this interaction with the cop ever took place. I think it's a hard right. sell, but that's yeah. what they got to sell. Mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, before we break to Dodd, oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. And, and defense counsel has also told the jury that Chauvin did exactly as trained as a police officer, okay? So he better have an expert who's going to come in and say, yes, I've been training police officers for 30 years, and I've watched the video, and I know what the training is. And Chauvin did exactly as a trained police officer is supposed to do under those circumstances. Now, the prosecution will have somebody saying the exact opposite thing, but the defense simply has to put reasonable doubt in the minds of the jurors or a sufficient number of the jurors to get either a not guilty or hang the jury and make it, a, you know, this is going to be a tough case. You could wind up with a yeah. hung jury, but this is going to be That's... ultimately a battle of experts after all the witnesses who are emotional yep. and crying on the stand and legitimately yeah. upset. When we get past all of those, we'll get into the technical case, which is the only way Chauvin could possibly win. Right. I think you're right. I was going to mention the Von Bulow case. The first time he got convicted, it was all the drama of the girlfriend and she was a soap opera star and the maid crying. Second time around when uh, Dershowitz got him the second trial, he brought in Tom Puccio. It was all medical. It was all that uh, Sonny Von Bulow, maybe she was taking, I think, diet pills that caused her, you know, uh, her, caused a problem with diabetes and it, it became just it was kind of a it was just a medical and, trial and, and which kind of bored the jury as well and and puccio saw fit to look at the actual needle in the syringe yes. and found that there was um um the drugs were on the outside of the syringe which would indicate mm. it hadn't 
punctured the skin and been wiped clean. No one else had ever thought to look at that, which at the time was, it was insulin on the outside of that needle. It was dry and crusty, but if it had been injected, it shouldn't have been there in the first place. And the science in the second Von Bulow case, you're right, is what won the case. Total science. Tim, in the movie A Few Good Men, Tom Cruise says, listen, I will stipulate that everyone that was in the barracks is going to come in and say the same thing. If they'll stipulate that they were not in the room when the code red was ordered and so forth. Um, at some, could the defense say, listen, we, we're willing to stipulate that all the people you're going to bring in are basically going to say the same type of thing um, in, in, in skipping over this? Or is that just, no, the prosecution, they want to put everything. The prosecution on. would say no way. Thanks for, right. thanks no, for the would. offer, but they want yeah. the drama. Yeah, there's there's media reports that, you know, jurors are looking away. They're squirming. They're asking for a break because they're upset. Um, It's it's tough stuff. It's it's unpleasant to watch a man dying over and over again. God. All right, folks, quick break. A lot more. Attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro show. MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 401- 321-2799 that's 401-321-2799 or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com it's spring and time to call J. Cannell Engineering today at 401-351-7600 J. Cannell Engineering licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts you know pretty soon it'll be warm it'll be hot why not have central air for your home call J. Cannell Engineering today 401 401- Three five one seventy six hundred. Remember, with JKL, estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. In the winter time, JKL they can reduce your oil bill by as much as ninety percent. It's going to be a hot summer. Call JKL Engineering today. Be nice and cool in your home this summer. Call JKL four zero one three five one seventy six hundred for fifty four years. JKL's reputation second to none especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. JKL, 
they do it right. They do it right the first time. They're an approved National Grid VPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer called JKL for a system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call JKL Engineering today. For light for Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 401 351 7600. 401 351 7600. It's JKL Engineering. We're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, last night uh, I was watching Tucker Carlson, and that was one of the strangest interviews uh, I had seen. And it is uh, Representative Matt. Matt Gates from Florida, and there's a story in the New York Times, and he agrees to come on. And um, what, what, what do we, what do, what do you make of this story that he is weaving of allegations of? Um, I, I didn't, I didn't know that. Admittedly, that I, I thought in different states there's age of consent, uh, and there are whether it's 16, 17, depending on the state. But you're not allowed to take someone under 18 over state lines. Um, what, what can you tell us on this? admittedly strange story with this representative Matt Gates. It's, it's a very strange story. And it's a story that the media is reporting with glee because Gates yeah. was um, a close ally of president Trump. So I think that it serves many purposes. Uh, if they can take a guy like this down at the knees the New York Times has been reporting that Gates is ready to resign from Congress and, and yeah. go work for Newsmax. Now, Newsmax. who knows if that's true or whether that's just something they're floating out there. Um, certainly, Gates is lawyering up, as he should. I, if I represented Gates, I would have never let him go on television and talk to Tucker yeah. Carlson. I think that was a huge oh. mistake. Um, yeah. If he was transporting a minor across state right. lines for sexual purposes. Even if he thinks that the woman in question is 24 and she's actually yep. 17, his subjective yep. belief or what she lies in telling him, assuming maybe she would lie and say, Oh no, I'm 21. Right. It's still his problem. And we've talked about it yeah. before. If you're having sex, if a person is having sex with a 15 year old girl, in Rhode Island, and suddenly she turns on you and complains that um, you've sexually assaulted her, you could say, but she told me she was 23. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Right. You're going to get prosecuted. So Gates might have had a true good faith belief that he was with an adult at these times. If he wasn't, he's going to have a problem, and he will be vigorously prosecuted because of the positions that he's taken in the past. Right. Um, if the, all the women in question were over the age of consent, over 18, then he's fine. It might be a little creepy, but he's fine. Um, sure. Tim, what about the way he threads the needle of, I didn't travel with them. So, all right, <laughs> what if he buys a plane ticket, a girl from Florida then hops on the plane and meets up with them in Washington, he kept insisting, I did not travel with anyone under 18 but he's flying her into washington for the same you know same mo i don't think that would be any different than if some he was sitting next to her on the or plane. No, if some creepy person oh. meets an underage girl but doesn't know it to be the case on the oh, internet okay. buys her a bus ticket to come from iowa to rhode island it would be the same type right. of situation so 
I, I think Gates is being too cute by half. And if yeah. your scenario turns out to be correct, he's still going to have a world of trouble on his hands. He's also. What was the point of bringing up Tucker's past? Situation? I don't know what that was all about. Talk about, I don't know who encouraged him, number one, to do the interview, then number two, bring that up. And Tucker, you know, you were at the dinner. Like, what is he going? Well, Tim, talk about bad legal advice. And wow. Let's assume everyone at the table thought this woman was 25. So what? It yeah. doesn't make a difference. Right. The other yes. peculiar aspect of this is he's trying to suggest that someone out there is extorting him for $25 million $25 to million. make the story right. go yeah. away. And the father wore a wire and the whole thing. So I think uh, you'll be seeing Gates on Newsmax pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'd want him after this. Uh, folks, we're speaking with our legal expert, uh, attorney Tim Dodd. And closer to home, Tim, I know uh, Eva Mancuso. And, you know, it's heartbreaking what happened with her. She hired her goddaughter and she was basically handling the books for the <laughs> law agent, for the law firm. And um, were, were you surprised at the... Uh, amount of jail time i guess i i think it was it wasn't it was more than we thought it was i guess they're saying she embezzled over seven hundred thousand, but that that seemed like a, a steep jail sentence yeah um I, th the judge departed uh in an upward manner i think mm. it was going to be three and then he tacked on two or it was two and he tacked on three so she gets five years to serve and when that sentence is um handed out in the federal system, typically you do about 85% of the time. It's not like in the state where you might do half or 60% and then you get out um, after you go before the parole board. Federal system is much stricter. And I do think um, the impact statements of uh, Eva Mancuso and her husband, Sean, um, were heartfelt, they were angry, um, legitimately angry at what this yeah. woman has done to their life, to their chances to retire. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to claw back and make back $750,000. The oh, defendant claims wow. she's trying to sell her house to try to start paying some restitution. Um, but it won't be a significant amount. She's destroyed a family. Um, I guess half a, a, a portion, I should say, of the family wrote letters of support for this defendant saying, judge, don't give her jail time. And Eva well, was, you know, understandably um, ticked off that family members were recommending no jail in light of how yeah. this woman has financially caused Eva and her husband considerable hardship in abusing a trust. I mean, the problem is, John, I know of many situations where uh, professionals, doctors I know for sure, several lawyers I know for sure, have had something similar happen to them. You know, you're busy, you're in the operating room, you're in a courtroom, you're doing your thing, you've got a bookkeeper, especially a relative, especially a godchild, and you presume you can trust them because you think you know them. And there's many situations where um, there's embezzlement going on because, oh. you know, the moneymaker is too busy trying to make money to check the books and puts too much trust in the bookkeeper. It happens frequently. Yeah. So 
it's kind of a lesson to be learned by everyone out there. If you rely on a bookkeeper, you better still audit what's going on. Yeah. Folks, quick break. A lot more attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. You're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. Folks, we start at 11. We go till 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website which is petro.com. Well, folks, he broke the story. He's having quite a week. Broke the story on who is the new lieutenant governor. Uh, and it's a changing landscape because the story, which is a big story in Rhode Island, was bo- broken by Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, great job. And this is a, a big move and a big day, I think. You were the first one to mention her, by the way, Providence City Council person Sabina Matos. Yeah, I, well, thank you, John. I, I think what's interesting is, you know, when you and started talking about Sabina Matos now well over a month ago as a potential lieutenant governor candidate, even though I had really good sources who were saying, look, she's going to be viable. She's going to be, you know, a serious candidate here. I really, I mean, you, you know, I hedged my bets a lot with you. I thought that Diosa from Central Falls still had a chance. And the thing that happened, and you picked up on this really before anybody was over the course of the last month, five weeks, Sabina Matos grew as a candidate and did everything she could to not step on anybody's toes, but to uh, make sure that she was with the governor as much as she could be, uh, you know, in his ear, things like that. And I think she really um, submitted her status as the lieutenant governor pick um, by being very hands-on here. I don't know that uh, if she had just stayed out of the fray completely, that she would necessarily have been picked. So she proved herself to the governor. And now, uh, you know, she, I, I think I fully expect her to be confirmed by the Senate. So she will be the next lieutenant governor. They did. And I think, you know, it started with her even, you know, you had to write a letter. And and that was very sincere and uh, put a lot of effort into it. Um, do you think, is there a feeling that maybe former Central Falls Mayor James Diosa, that he kind of lost it? He... Um, I didn't really see him do anything right. He never got a chance to appear with Governor McKee. Or do you think, Dan, once she emerged on the scene, he she just almost like instantly became the front runner? The the thing that a lot of people in the McKee camp kind of said to me was that the longer this goes, the less likely it will be James Diosa. And so yeah. I think I think that's what hurt him. I think that the fact that uh, the governor, even when he was still lieutenant governor, wasn't immediate about picking the the central fall you know the former central falls there i think that's what really hurt him uh and i think as you start to look at it and you start more political advisors in your ear you say you know you think of especially if you're in the blackstone valley if you're dan mckee you know you, you probably thought of james diosa as kind of this rising star in politics young guy colombian you know was the the mayor and, and did by all accounts a relatively successful job um i i think he started to kind of, you know, you meet new people when you become the governor, when you're suddenly yep. attractive, right? And I think what happened here was I think other candidates emerged and people said, wait a minute, so it, we don't only have to pick this Latino candidate. We could we could look elsewhere. There are people who actually want this job. And I think Sabina Matos just continued to get more attractive to Dan McKee over the course of, you know, five weeks. I've heard um, positive things about her from business people, which I think is an interesting dynamic. And folks, there's a full story about it. Again, he broke it last night, Dan McGowan in the Boston Globe, about Sabina Matos, the Providence City Council person who will be 
the new lieutenant governor. Dan, I also noticed, and I think they made a smart move. Uh, there was a great story years ago when Angel Tavares won the mayor of Providence. The next day he went to this, I think he went to this bakery that he used to always go to when the woman was doing a jig and it was such a celebration. It was such a, like a great visual to see. I've noticed the McKee people have altered and instead of making the first stop in Pawtucket, they're instead going to go somewhere with her in Providence, which I think, you know, she is now, this is an incredible accomplishment for her in her constituents, in her supporters and team, her in the Providence. She's, she's one chair away from the big office. This is a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, by the way, for all the talk about uh, Providence politicians can't get elected statewide, well, here's right. the way to do it. You get appointed, right? Yeah. Uh, no, you're you're exactly right. I mean, this is a and, and yeah, she's going to do. Uh, I think her first appearance at a place on Manton Avenue, which is in her yeah. uh, her her ward, which is you know the neighborhood she represents uh, um, in Providence. And yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think you'll get a. Uh, I think she'll get a really good sort of welcome there. I think they obviously know what they're doing on that. And, and yeah, I mean, look, Providence, as you know, is, can be a very kind of dirty business, the Providence politics. It's, oh, yeah. you know, it's very insidery. Um, it's, you know, a lot of the stuff that happens is, it's just, it's, it's ugly. It happens behind the scenes. It can be very personal and things like that. You know, she is a survivor. She's somebody who, uh, you know, beats a 28-year incumbent to get elected. Um, you know, had some stops and starts when she was when she was the council president originally. Manages to get votes. You know, she has proven throughout her political career that she is. You know, she she knows how to play this game. I think for folks out there who never heard of her, don't know anything about her, the crit the critique of her is that she wasn't a, a strong manager of the city council. That job is really hard. You're, you're dealing with yep. 15 different personalities. Um, it's a it's a really tough city right now because you have a mayor who's kind of all over the place. And so, uh, you know, I, I think she, there's no question. I think she, she had some struggles as the council president. But you know what? Now you get into a job where, let's be honest, you don't have a ton of responsibility. You can play a lot of politics if you do it right. Uh, it's kind of a good fit for her. It's not going to be overwhelming. It's not like she's going to have, you know, again, unless she were to become the governor somehow or anything like that. But, um, I, you know, I think she can settle into this job and probably be a big asset to Dan McKee in politics next year. Folks, so speaking of Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, Dan, who is her? I mean, you do get a staff as lieutenant governor. Who, who, you know, I mean, who is her circle? Who are some of the names that you think that we may hear of? I mean, you get a press person, you get a chief of staff, you, you have some, I think you get eight people that you get to hire. Yeah. Um, and so you have an office, you have a car who, who are like, who's in her orbit. My assumption would be that, that there will be a lot of oversight from governor McKee on this one. I think they've already floated oh. some names to her, but what I would say is, you know, these people aren't household names. There's a, Woman that's run for state senate a couple of times, Doris De Los Santos, who's her uh, her kind of best friend in both in politics but also in kind of real life. And I fully expect uh, you know her to Doris De Los Santos to be in the running to maybe be you know chief, uh, maybe a communications director or something like that. You know, she's got a handful of people in uh, in her current office. I mean, the city council people should know the city council staff in Providence is larger than the uh the lieutenant governor's staff it's a bigger budget right. right so there are a handful of people who again people aren't big household names that, that um i think she could bring along with her but you know the, the funny thing is is that 
as much as Dan McKee, you know, had some struggles to kind of find top talent because people are, you know, you're hedging your bets, you're trying to figure out who's going to be the governor next year. If you are kind of a hanger on or just somebody who really wants to be in politics with kind of a low stress job, there's a real possibility that no matter what happens with Dan McKee, Sabina Matos is your lieutenant governor for the rest of this term and then potentially two terms going forward. You could have Sabina. Right. You could have Sabina Matos in the state house for ten years. Uh, wow! And so, you know, if if you were looking for security in this in in that world, job security, Sabina Matos is a pretty good bet. You know, I just want to touch on one other thing, and and this is actually predates when I really got into media. But damn, I I I've heard the stories. Providence was filled with the, and you probably, but they called them ward bosses. Oh yeah. You know, like as for instance, uh, nine hundred four Main Avenue, right around there. That's that's Doris Vending. David Ede was like a ward boss on in the Main Avenue section, and and uh, you know Eagle Park had had a ward boss, and it was these ward bosses that you had to go, and you know they actually they could decide elections. Um, do you think was that something that was also part of the whole package, which is they wanted someone? For instance, I I know like the Biden people. They, they were very instructive to Kamala Harris of like, we, we are going to you can pick like a couple of people, but we're going to help you kind of fill your staff. Was this that they didn't want someone who might also come in and think like they're going to run the show, that this basically is in many ways being overseen by the McKee people? I think it is to a large degree. Okay. I mean, I, I think she'll get a little bit of discretion. But, yeah, I mean, what you don't want are the you know the goofy mistakes that can happen which is just exactly the way you described now the 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 word boss the sort of machine mentality it's not it it has evolved i think it's actually more prolific in statewide politics when you think of the unions than um than than it is in like there isn't you know a king maker anymore in providence city hall but there there are certainly those folks who would tell you they are and who you know who who kind of hustle votes and, and do that sort of thing. And, and what Dan McKee does not want to do is, you know, hire somebody because, you know, he thinks it's the right political move. And then you kind of find out that, oh, God, this guy hasn't, you know, a ton of baggage. He did something, you know, sleazy here in this race. And, and then it muddies everything up and it becomes, you know, especially when you have to get this thing through the Senate. Again, I don't expect it to be a challenge, but – you know, they're certainly going to be senators who are going to, you know, potentially kind of question her. So you don't want to do anything to make them, um, you know, in any way worried about about confirming her. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. <laughs> 